In today's Disabulletin, WFHB correspondent Abe Shapiro speaks with attorney Jeremiah Fry Pearson about a lawsuit against the rideshare company Lyft over its alleged lack of wheelchair-accessible vehicles, or WAVs. Lyft officials cited limited supply of wheelchair-accessible vehicles and driver availability as reasons why WAVs are only available to Lyft riders in nine cities across the entire U.S. To provide more insight on the issue, we turn to an interview with attorney Jeremiah Fry Pearson of the disability rights group Westchester Disabled on Move Incorporated. Good evening, I'm Abe Shapiro, and this is Disabulletin. My guest today is Jeremiah Fry Pearson, the lawyer fighting on behalf of Westchester on the Move in their lawsuit against Lyft. Since receiving his law degree from Stanford Law in 2003, Mr. Fry Pearson has sought to advocate for individuals to obtain their civil rights. His notable victories range from helping individuals reclaim their right to privacy by successfully settling with companies following data breaches to ensuring fair wage compensation for employees. As a result of his victories, he has won for his clients. The National Trial Lawyers Association has selected Mr. Fry Pearson as a member of the Top 100 Trial Lawyers from 2014 to 2018. Mr. Fry Pearson is a member of the Best Attorneys of America, a distinction limited to less than 1% of attorneys, and he's also designated as a super lawyer. Mr. Fry Pearson practices in federal and state courts throughout the country, and his areas of expertise include class actions, privacy, consumer fraud, employment law, and civil rights. So, Jeremiah Fry Pearson, welcome to the Disabilitin broadcast, sir. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, just for some background information, I always like to start my guests off by really understanding how they came to the disability sector. So first and foremost, how and what led you to a career in law and why specifically the disability sector, especially bearing in mind, I do know that you worked with one of the architects of the ADA, Senator Ted Kennedy. So that's a long question, but I I chose to go to law school over 20 years ago because we live in a society where powerful interests, for lack of a better word, often harm regular people. And I know a legal degree is a tool to make things a little bit more fair. So that's why I went to law school. And I've been blessed in my legal career to represent, you know, people who were in unfair situations and make their lives a lot better and change broken systems. So I'm very, very blessed with how all that has worked out. I did work for Senator Kennedy or intern for Senator Kennedy over 20 years ago, but as an intern, my contributions were almost limited to walking his dog, literally, so I, I can't take ADA credit for that having happened, although his, his contributions to the ADA as well as President Bush, is, they harken back to bipartisanship that, that I miss in terms of making government work for everyone. In terms of this case, I have a brother who has significant special needs, so I've always um, been involved in the disabled community. And I, for a while, chaired the Mayor's Committee of People with Disability in my hometown of White Plains. And we heard from numerous constituents about how Lyft was refusing to serve people in wheelchairs. At the time we filed this lawsuit, it was almost everywhere, and it still remains almost everywhere. In 96% of the areas where Lyft operates, it refuses to provide any service 
particularly wheelchair accessible vehicles. And you might be wondering about the 4% of the areas where it does provide wheelchair accessible service. Why does it do that? The only reason Lyft provides wheelchair accessible service in the 4% of the areas where it does is because regulators in those jurisdictions tell Lyft either serve people in wheelchairs or we won't let you operate at all. Every single time Lyft has been required by a regulator to serve people in wheelchairs, it has done that. And every single time, what Lyft does is it provides the bare minimum service possible. The person in charge of Lyft National Wave, and Wave is short for Wheelchair Accessible Vehicles, the person in charge of it came up with a plan to provide National Wave everywhere in the country cheaply, and then the executives decided not to do that. And then they came back with the line that their biggest risk is being forced to scale, which in English means Lyft's biggest concern is being forced to serve people in wheelchairs everywhere. Where it does provide service, it intentionally provides the worst service possible and, in fact, sabotages that service because it doesn't want to be seen as providing good wheelchair-accessible service because then it would be made to provide more service. And where I live in Westchester County, New York, the situation is particularly grotesque because the area where Lyft provides the best wheelchair-accessible service is in New York City, where they're required to do so by regulation. Oh, yes, I do. I did read about the TLC's 25% mandate and the controversy that did arise over that a number of years ago. So I do understand that, that there has been some significant progress there in New York City. There's been very significant progress, and it came in large part due to the expert witness in our case, Alex Alagudin, who designed the regulations in New York City. Lyft, as it always does, first argued that it couldn't possibly serve people with wheelchairs in New York City, or otherwise it would go bankrupt and have to leave New York City. Like most of Lyft's other arguments that it uses to avoid people with disabilities, that argument's a lie, and that includes Lyft's argument, we're not a transportation company. Lyft now provides much better service in New York City. And what we know is every month, many vehicles drive from New York City, wheelchair-accessible vehicles, to Westchester County, right in the suburbs where our federal courthouse is located. Those vehicles, when they're in Westchester County, Lyft blocks them from advertising as a wheelchair-accessible vehicle. So you can be sitting on one street in the Bronx, right, and you can say, I'd like to get a wheelchair-accessible vehicle. There can be a car on that block, and Lyft app will show it. You walk across the street, so you're no longer in the Bronx, and you're in Westchester County, or you wheel across the street, and you'd like to get a wheelchair-accessible vehicle. You see none. One of the basic things we're asking for is Lyft just turn off the blocker. Let people with disabilities be served. And we're hopeful that if Lyft doesn't do that voluntarily, that Judge Halpern will make them. Absolutely. And uh, again, thank you very much for your service with regard to that. What would you say are some of Lyft's arguments to turning off the toggle system? What are some of the arguments that they have made? So Lyft has spent millions of dollars. They have great attorneys. They have very smart expert witness. They spent millions of dollars defending a system that I believe is indefensible. And in addition to their arguments that they're not a transportation company or that the Americans with Disability Rights Act or the New York State Human Rights Law don't apply to them, there are two main arguments, and there's there's two things we talked about, the toggle and the blocker, and they're a little different. But the main reason for why they have the blocker in 96% of the regions, which prevents any wheelchair-accessible rides, the real reason they have it is they think they're above the law. Their justifications are really twofold. One, they say there aren't enough people with disabilities to justify Lyft serving them. 
which is insulting. And imagine if McDonald's said, in this small town, there's only 15 people in a wheelchair, so we're just not going to have our stores be accessible. The ADA was passed over 30 years ago to prevent that nonsense. Um, the other argument they make is that their service might not be good enough for people with disabilities because there might not be enough wheelchair-accessible vehicles, and therefore they shouldn't provide any service. And what makes that argument really gross is, as I'm sure everyone who's tried to call a lift is experienced sometimes, quite often there aren't lifts when you call lifts as an able-bodied person. In fact, in many areas in the country where lift operates, the usual result of calling a lift is no lift is available. And if one is available, you have to wait a long time. That's certainly true in rural areas for able-bodied people. Now, Lyft does not refuse to serve able-bodied people in those rural areas. It's not a single instance where Lyft said, you know what, our service metrics aren't good in this county, so we're just not going to serve able-bodied people. They always provide service. But what they say when it comes to people with disabilities is, well, our service might not be very good, so we should provide no service. Again, to use the McDonald's analogy, <laughs> that's like if a store where, for whatever reason, the service wasn't very good. You know, it took like 20 minutes for them to make your burgers. And so they go, look, it takes us 20 minutes to make these burgers. And, you know, it's even harder for people with disabilities to get into the store. So we're just not going to serve people with disabilities in this store. That's really what Lyft's argument comes down to. It's insulting. And we look forward to it being declared unlawful by a judge. I can understand as well the frustration, especially with regard to uh, some of the arguments that Lyft makes, especially... Uh, that they may not have the resources. And I understand as well uh, that some of these transportation companies work with third-party providers and uh, and do work to recruit drivers, and yet company officials hold that these solutions aren't feasible. At the same time, why do you believe Lyft is combating these allegations, and why would there not be enough way vehicles? Or is that just a way for Lyft to push aside the allegations against them? honestly think it's an excuse or a pretext. I, I can't know for sure what's in people's hearts, but I've deposed the people that Lyft puts in charge of its program. I've deposed Lyft executives that have taken their testimony under oath, and I've seen their internal documents. And what they say is not, oh man, we really want to serve people with disabilities. We just can't figure out how. What the internal documents very clearly say, and what Lyft's wonderfully coached witnesses will almost admit and will basically say the words that make clear that this is true when you have them under oath, is Lyft doesn't want to do it. And I think the honest reason why Lyft doesn't want to do it is because Lyft got into this business to expand transportation. And when they did it, they weren't thinking about people with disabilities. No one's saying that 10 years ago when Lyft started up, they were maliciously setting out to revolutionize transportation and exclude people with disabilities. But they were setting out to build a transportation empire, and they didn't think about people with disabilities. And then when advocates started saying, hey, you got to serve wheelchair users, their initial instinct was, well, this is inconvenient for us. And rather than deal with the fact that they would have to do some basic things to serve people with disabilities, they lawyered up and they fought it everywhere. And again, the only time Lyft has served people with disabilities who are in wheelchairs is when the jurisdiction has said, you either serve people with disabilities or you leave. And because that has not happened nationwide, we're using the Americans with Disabilities Act and other civil rights laws to make Lyft fix this, what I think is just really discriminatory, gross conduct. That's all for this week's Disabulletin. Abe Shapiro, WFHB News, Live and Learn.